This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Blue wire. Three on the way! Yes! Paul George nails it! For the win! Dunks and Discourse, episode 41, uh, Dirk Edition, my guy. I, I mean, I guess I have to be pristine in this one. Jabari, how you doing, man? Not bad, not bad. I, I was wondering, when you, when you said, which one is it? I was like, wait, what? how do you not know which one it is? <laughs> <laughs> I've been slacking, man. It's been uh, it's been a lot the last few days. And uh, I just think, like, on the personal front, going back to school, you know, teachers in uh, here in Alberta, I don't know how it is state to state, but we're going back full time. Um, all the kids in the classroom, very little government support, no extra funding. Um, just do the best you can. Try to space kids two meters. I measured it out. I can get 75 centimeters per kid in my class. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're going to wear masks. Like, I, I'm at a point where I'm not all that scared of COVID anymore. The numbers aren't as devastating as people thought they'd be. But, I mean, it's it's still worrisome. It's still a lot. Um, and then in the middle of that, in my basketball life, obviously, things took a turn when the Milwaukee Bucks decided they weren't going to play. So it's been it's been a pretty crazy four days here. Yeah, it really has. And you know, while I won't you know belabor the point, be safe up there, man. You, you and all those kids, and obviously anybody that's listening, you, if your kids are in school or you're in a situation that's similar to Josh's, I hope everybody's safe. Yeah, that definitely echoing that. Uh, hopefully everybody, you know, the quote-unquote normal is probably gone, but I, I hope we get as close to that as we can. Um, I, I think we could all use a little bit of normal, a little bit of regular, same old, all that stuff we miss. But, yeah, stay safe doing it. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, so, I mean, let, let, let's just go to there because we, we didn't discuss it yet. And I mean, there's a couple of reasons. We didn't want to hop right in. Um you know, a couple of people made the the point on the timeline that if you don't have something of you know significant value to add to the conversation, maybe just pipe down for a bit. And I think I think that was fair too. Um, so you know, Milwaukee Bucks, Orlando Magic, Game Five, their Magic were on the on the court. Um, they they were ready to play. I guess George Hill had made a decision prior to even coming into the arena that he wasn't going to play that day. It wasn't really a planned action. Um, the Bucks followed him from there, and and it kind of you know spiraled or you know domino effect, and and the league went into what was what was a wildcat strike. It wasn't a boycott; it was a strike. But um, so, what were, what were your initial thoughts when the Bucks decided not to take the floor? Yeah, I mean, look, we had heard murmurings of things of that nature being able to be the case, but I, I'll be upfront with you. I was on with um, I was on with a guy from you know from SB Nation Radio and, I, and uh, Matt Peralt, and he asked me. This was literally twenty minutes, probably about twenty minutes before the announcement came. He asked me what I thought, and I said, I think you you know you'll get the the rumors, but ultimately, I think. Um, and I phrased it as cooler heads would prevail, not because I felt like the Bucks players or any of these NBA players were in the wrong for, you know, even considering these things. But it figured, you know, I figured that eventually uh, whatever the case, uh, whatever the case that the, the players were looking for in that case, you know, in that event that the, you know, they would come to some agreement or come to some understanding or plan, you know, you know for a conversation to take place. Uh, but so then when it, you know, so then when it went down, I thought, okay, here we go. Now, 
again, not in any way because I'm against the you know the the action, the thought process, or any or anything that went into it. Only because I, I the okay, here we go is because I knew what the reaction was going to be on the timeline, or at least I figured what the time the reaction was going to be on the timeline. And you know what, I, I have to say, while I did see a little bit of negativity and I did see a little bit of like, well, what are we doing here and all of that, for the most part, everybody seemed to understand or at least presented as though they understood. So I, I was actually appreciative of that of that situation. So I feel like I was very locked into all of this um, Wednesday. It was my last day before going back to work. Um, I, I was following the reports all day long, mm. and I, I and you know again I, I have a pretty full timeline, and I and I'm very catered. I have all sorts of lists for just the guys dropping reports, just the guys trying to make jokes, general basketball. I, I mean I was I was pretty plug, plugged in here. The DMs were going. I think initially people were very supportive. I think I think initially there was a lot there was some skepticism about what could actually be done, sure, and and I I shared some of that where just like privately to you I was like, I you know I I empathize I totally understand why they have to do this, I worry that there won't be much actionable that comes from this, and at the same time there was layers there in that like, why is it on professional athletes to make actionable changes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, does it matter um, the fact that you, whether you have a one percent or fifty percent chance of getting it done, when the stakes are this high, you got to take that chance. Like there's, there was lots of good constructive talk about it. However, when we got to the players' meeting, and reports started leaking and leaks started leaking, I thought the tone changed somewhat. It it did, and and that's going to happen because like if if we're going to have an honest conversation about this, let's just state it. There were a lot of folks that were waiting, you know, that were waiting and you know, kind of silently, you know, silently presenting as again as though they supported the situation or at least understood the situation. That at the very drop of any sort of information, we're going to say, "Oh, well, look at this," you know, like you know, use it as a reason to you know to be a naysayer about uh, about the event. Um, you know, so that didn't, you know, so, so that turn didn't necessarily shock me. And, and you were obviously more in tune to, you know, like kind of how that wave went specifically because, you know, you, uh, you were able to follow it, you know, directly. I was, I, I was in the middle of the day at work, try, you know, trying to, you know, look back and forth and, 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 and figure things out as they went. But the one thing I do want I, I do want to mention, you know, specifically because I did see the question being asked on the timeline, like, why did the Bucks, why were the Bucks in particular, um, you know, the team, uh, you know, to kind of, you know, act as the catalyst, you know, for, you know, for this. And, you know, I normally would be flipping about it and say, well, you know, honestly, it's not that hard to just Google the situation. But the one of the more recent situations not only took, you know, took place in Kenosha, which is right in their backyard. But in particular, if you're not familiar with the Bucks and kind of how they've been, you know, like, you know, uh, their own personal experiences, you know, look up the look up the Sterling Brown situation. Look up the, you know, look up the situation where John Henson had, a, you know, you know, had a, you know, uh, an unfortunate exchange, um, you know, while, while shopping in that area, you know, kind of kind of look into it that so. I guess that was a long way of saying, um, yeah, I, I did see some of that turnaround, and I and and I guess I chalked that up to those were individuals that weren't necessarily looking to be you know supportive of it to begin with. Yeah, there's a lot of that, and I I think, you know, a lot of people really really fucking hate LeBron James, and yes. um, you know I'll just say straight up from some conversations I had in, in the DMs based on and I mean I think you, if you if you're plugged in and you follow this a lot you could tell by the reports without a doubt absolutely 125% LeBron James was frustrated that he wasn't you know let in on the decision before it happened and he did absolutely with some leaks from him or his camp try to change the narrative to make himself seem more in control of this thing for sure. But at the same time, he was the guy that everybody went at when the Bucks walked off the floor. Well, what is LeBron going to do? If LeBron's done, then the league's done. And they were already trying to set him up. And they're launching the control the narrative memes and all these things. And yes, I think with, without a doubt, LeBron wanted to come off looking like a hero throughout this conversation. But he was getting held to that whether he wanted to or not. So it, it's a very complicated situation. And I think... You know, a lot of people who, who claimed to be supportive of the players and supportive of everything that was happening were just salivating at the chance for, like, LeBron to screw this up in some way so that they could, you know, make him the scapegoat. And and that happens when you're the face of the league, but it, it is really – it's pretty damn disgusting, man, like, that they're always trying to get him. 
I mean, I, I look at it like this, and, and I'm not even going to you know, waste a lot of breath on this. If you don't necessarily... Okay, look. You don't have to... Speaking generally, you don't have to love everything that LeBron is about. You don't have to you know, agree with everything that he does. You know, Quite frankly, there's nobody in life that, <laughs> that I have just like universal agreement with everything that they say and do. So that's fine. But if you, uh, speaking generally again... If you are sitting there, you know, criticizing this man and sitting there, you know, like, you know, throw the, just looking for every single opportunity to, you know, slang rocks at him, you know, honestly, by the, by year 15, 16, 17, doesn't that get tiresome? Like, I, I, I don't know. To, you know, to me, I would just be done with it by now. You know, like, it, 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 it seems like a waste of time. Like, again, you don't have to love everything about him, but I, I would be hard pressed to find a more influential sports figure, you know, participating in, especially in a, in a team or a league or, you know, uh, league, you know, uh, you know situation uh, in my lifetime. Yeah. And, and, like, without a doubt, like, some of the takes the first night and some of the leaks were kind of gross and they're like, Oh, well, the Lakers were mad, and they all walked out, and they were willing to throw it away, but LeBron was the one who... Like, there was some spinning, but that's going to happen. And here's the thing. You know, if you've ever been involved in a union, you know that a wildcat strike is quite dangerous because there are legal ramifications there. You know, the players just choosing not to play. And I I know it's it's not something anyone wants to talk about because we're talking about right and wrong, but from, from a legal CBA standpoint, the players could have been in trouble if they just ended the season like that. And I, I understand from that both that front and the, hey, if we're going to do this, let's do this right and let's have a plan, which is what LeBron said. And people can say that that was, you know, empty or facetious or whatever they want to say. But he's right. I mean, the goal is to get something done. So I can understand that the Bucks, who were just emotionally drained and everything that happened with Sterling Brown in years past and this happened in their backyard... I absolutely, at the human level, understand why they were like they were done. I, I'm good on it. I, I get it. Yeah. But from a tactical, from a tactical, it's us versus the billionaires, and we're trying to make change in our country for the better of Black American citizens. Um, it, you kind of got to look at it the other way, which was they would have been better, a little bit better off if they had all unified on that decision beforehand. And I, I think the Bucks would admit that now too. Yeah, it, you know whether they whether they wanted to or whether they you know whether they want to stand hold you know stand true to their principles. All end of the day, yes, obviously it's better it's better to approach this, especially be, you know specifically because you're in a league situation where you have partners and where you know where the you know, essentially as a player the other teams the, you know the other players on those other teams are also your partners. Yes, of course it, it would be better to go ahead and make sure that everybody's on the same page. Which ultimately it ended up being the case, and you know the, you know and I'm not accusing you know, I'm not saying that we're guilty of it but oftentimes rather than focusing on what actually took place we're focusing on, on what could have been or what should have been or whatever the case may have been i mean ultimately if uh, applying pressure to the billionaire owners and making certain that the league is you know continuing to push forward this conversation not just push forward the conversation you know, you know in terms of words but actually push forward in terms of action where you have the bill you know where you have the and let me stop referring to them as billionaires where you have the you know the owners of these organizations that they've come to agree that they're going to open up all of the different arenas throughout the league as polling sites and in particular you know in this country where you have a situation where at the very least I don't even care which side of the aisle you were on at the very least it appears as though the government is making it more difficult or attempting to make it more difficult to actually vote in an upcoming election that is you know beyond imperative that is a major step in terms of progress now is it you know you know is the job done no job's not done but that should be celebrated rather than focusing on you know all of the rigmarole you know surrounding it yeah no absolutely and Here's, but like, see, that's the thing too. Some things got lumped. Like all of the NBA arenas aren't going to be polling stations. That that they 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 said that, and that's kind of what got ran with. But it's only a certain number of teams, which I believe right now is like seventeen of the thirty have committed. Oh well, that's ugly. Why? Yeah. Why, so why was the original report? <laughs> and not so, even just original report. I just read this. See, somebody ran with it, and I was looking at this before. So it looks like Atlanta, Detroit, Sacramento, Charlotte, Washington, Houston, L.A. Uh, New York, Indiana, Utah, San Antonio, Dallas, Los Angeles, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Golden State, Memphis, Brooklyn, Phoenix, Orlando, Miami, Minnesota, um, Oklahoma City, New Orleans, Will, whoever I didn't say won't. So I don't know. Maybe that's like 22 to 30. Yeah, I was going to sound like a bunch, but okay. So they're working towards all of them. It wasn't all of them. I'm I'm not overly moved by 300 million in 10 years from owners when we're talking about less than one percent of their wealth, and you got a guy like Drew Holiday, you know, donating the rest of his salary. Um, 
And I, it's not even about comparison. It's like the owners giving a million a year when you're worth, you know, $85 billion or whatever uh, Bomber's worth. It, it's nothing. It's like you throw $5 to a guy on the street. So I'm sorry. I, I'd like to hold them a little bit higher in account. I think the most impressive thing that did come out of this was the conversation that happened on the Bucks end, then getting the governor on the phone or whoever mm-hmm. it was that uh, got that legislation table to actually vote on. Um, because that, I mean, that that's something quite actionable that you can look at and say, like, we, our pressure pushed our owner who, you know, probably donates to his campaign or whatever the reason he took his call to actually make something, you know, make a legislative change. Like, let's, let's actually change the law. And I, I think that is far and away um, a better outcome than most could even hope for. Honestly, the, the, you know, it, that's an excellent point. And, and you're right. When, when it comes to, act, you know, things that are actionable, that those are the things that should be celebrated. But the one thing that I actually just want to you know, put in it at the end is while I'm not while I'm not saying it is the same exact thing as you or I or, you know, the, just a common person, you know, making sacrifices. I do think that, like, <laughs> the one thing that, that did disappoint me is the players should be seen as heroes in this situation, because I, I, I think that people don't understand, like, while, yes, it, it may have seemed as, you know, it may have come across as a knee-jerk situation that they just said, like, oh, yeah, you know, and it was even couched as, like, you know, taking a quote-unquote day off of work by, you know, other figures. But the truth of the matter is the risk that they were taking, the risk that they took is tremendous, given the fact that, you know, kind of as you alluded to, you know, there are legal ramifications, there are potential serious legal ramifications that, you know, that would come of this if they it just all you just determined that they were done you know they were done and that they were just going to move on and and start and and bring the focus back to you know what they want you know what they wanted to be rather than basketball so the fact that they did this i actually think they should be i think that the the love and the and and the and the praise should be significantly louder than it is and the one thing that i'll say is this we are at a time whereas yes of course we all have to come together in this and we all have to do you know do quote unquote do the right thing in term in you know, in, in the effort to you know to continue to continue to progress but there you know i'm reaching the point where I'm kind of tired of the players. I'm tired of the members of the oppressed group being looked upon as the answer and being looked upon as the ones that have to make these sacrifices, the ones that have to do these types of things. So with that in mind, again, I have nothing but praise, nothing but support for these players. I understand exactly, you know, exactly why they made the decision initially. I understand why they made the decision to, to return, and I just hope that they'll continue to get the same type of support from other people that aren't the ones in the oppressive group. Because to be honest with you, that's the way that these things are going to change. I think you know my my final two thoughts here. Are one to your point on the on the financial ramifications, and someone made the good point in the timeline. I can't remember who that like. The NBA is, even though they're all wealthy, it, it is tiered wealth too. Like they do have a lower class, middle class, upper mm-hmm. class, and if you're, you know, a rookie or a second round guy, you know, who's only made an X amount of money, you know, uh, potentially being out of work for two seasons and maybe never making the same amount of money that you made before is a bigger issue than if you're LeBron or Russell Westbrook. I think were the names that whoever tweeted this used saying like they've got stacks on stacks. You know what I mean? Like. So that was a conversation too. I had a conversation, private conversation, with a lawyer who consults on the CBA, and his team was tasked with finding out if the owners could, in fact, if the strike continued and they ended the playoffs, could the owners actually come after the players for money during the season? And it was something they weren't like. There were layers on layers on layers here that people weren't even aware of, and uh, I was like, "That's insane." I'm like. So I, I straight up asked, could, is it possible that they could be coming after like guys who weren't even in the restart in the boat? Apparently, it, it's not quite clear, and he thought him and his team were going to be up all night figuring out whether the owners could, in fact, go take Colin Sexton's money or Devin Booker's money um, because the CBA is not clear on that. So I, I do think like it was important to note that like the players had some leverage, but if they just outright ended that season, which I, a lot of people were almost daring them to do that. Yeah. Um, in the name of social justice, in the name of, you know, talking them or whatever, if they had done that, they were facing some very, very serious, significant backlash from the owners, and they lost all leverage to kind of make a stand here um, on the social justice front. So I, I think all in all, um, the response was mostly good. I think they got some actionable things done. So I, I think on a whole, this is a happier story than we could have been telling, you know, had it gone one of another number of other ways. Absolutely. End of the day, you're exactly right. Um, you know what? Something that I did want to, you, you, you know, you, you said you're tired of the oppressed group being the ones kind of held accountable or looked at to mm-hmm. fix things. 
Absolutely. You know, someone else made the point too that this week that um, we hold uh, athletes to higher standards than elected officials. Absolutely. Yep. You also hold Avengers to that to that standpoint. Like, and it's timely, unfortunately, with the passing of Chadwick Boseman. But like, what like what Black Panther means to to the to the culture to the community. Um, and how Marvel has been viewed and some of the think pieces around their superheroes and what they're supposed to do for demographic changes. We really do live in a backwards world in that in that regard. We do. I, I didn't know you were going to go here. And, of course, you know, rest in peace to Chad Bozeman. You know, we were both, and obviously everybody react, you know, reacted to that because, you know, not only him being a phenomenal actor, he, seemed, he genuinely you know, appeared in, and came across as a phenomenal individual that uh, obviously, you know, you know, obviously uh, played some, you know, some pivotal roles, including obviously Black Panther. But yeah, man, you know, to not to make it again, not to make it about like, hey, look, this isn't our fight because obviously this is our, you know, we are all in this, and obviously, you know, as members of an oppressed group of any oppressed group, you know, you there's a certain level of, uh, you know, meeting in the middle, what you know, whether that's right or you know, right or wrong, there's a certain level of meeting in the middle that you have to do, but. Yeah, for me, I would just like to see us, you know, not necessarily always look at the athlete, always look at an actor, or always look at, you know, an entertainer or a, you know, a, you know, a, a, a make-believe figure to come save the day. When we have people that are in these situations and in these positions of actual influence that we are, you know, paying and and believing in and continuing to vote into office, that can actually, you know, uh, make some significant change. We're not holding them anywhere near as accountable as, as they need to be held. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, w- I was really sad to see Chadwick go. Yeah. And I, I was blown away that, you know, someone that big and that famous and, and riding that wave could more or less keep everyone in the dark about, you know, the personal battles that he was having. Um, I'm going to mention a couple things on this. I know it's not directly basketball or movie related, but, you know, this is our pod. We're going to do what we want to do. Mm-hmm. I saw a tweet that was, you know, brought up as a cold take kind of thing where some, some lady uh, oh, shared a picture of Chadwick not looking at his best, oh. which now obviously makes sense. Mm-hmm. And she said, she basically insinuated he was on drugs and, like, his life had gone. Like, I don't want what happened to him to happen to me. It was, like, it was a very negative thing that mm-hmm. had over 50,000 retweets. And I just, like... I'm not saying that to shame that one person. Not even I didn't take down a note, whatever. I'm just saying, like, think about what you post sometimes, um, because you you just you just never fucking know, man. And that's you, you never know. You never know the struggles that someone's going through, whether it's you know mental, physical, you know psychological, or whatever the case may be. Uh, and I know that Twitter is a place where, you know, and social media in general and, you know, just society in general, we love dunking on and we love to say, oh, you know, I'm not this, at least I'm not that. But yes, fully agreed. That, you know, this is one of those instances that, you know, if this can't point that, you know, can't point out the, you know, the flaws, you know, like a, of that mindset, you know, they really nothing can because the man was literally dying and, fi- and fighting for his life. But, you know, she, the person that you're referring to was far from the only one. I can tell you, I, oh, saw, yeah. on, I saw it on Instagram. I saw, you know, because I, I saw that type of reference on Instagram because when I saw a video of him and the first thing I thought wasn't, oh, he's on drugs. I thought, oh, he's sick. And, you know, so, yeah, anyhow, a little bit of empathy goes a long way. Yeah, no shit. I mean, even if he had been on drugs. Yeah, exactly. That's sad that, he, you know, his career was going so well. Like, you just, you don't need to do that to people, man. Like, you, you don't, I, I think the line gets crossed far too often on social media and Sorry if it feels like I'm lecturing you, but it bothered me. Mm-hmm. A lot of the Chadwick stuff really bothered me this week, and the Kobe stuff uh, mm-hmm. the week before. Because you know what, too, that there's some accounts on in NBA Twitter, and I'm thinking of like Srikar, and I'm thinking of like JT Conway, and all of these guys. Like anytime there's news, they they fire 15 tweets right away, hoping one of them goes viral, and that's their thing. And sometimes they're really funny, and it's fine. But there were some, not neither of these two gentlemen, but there were some people who I watched, one one individual specifically, who I watched launch seven tweets in about five minutes after Chadwick died, eventually stole a tweet from someone else and got like 100,000 retweets trying to like capture the momentum of someone's death. And I just, that sucks, dude. Like, I don't know why we even had to talk, but like, it sucks. And they did it with Kobe the week before and they were doing it with Chadwick yesterday and it just... It just fucking sucks that people do that. Like, this guy died. Like, you don't need to have the tweet that bangs the hardest. You don't need to capture his death in the funniest or most, like, inspiring way. And it's really, like, really bothered the hell out of me that that was the game yesterday or two days ago. 
Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I hate it even more because in the instances where I decide, hey, I want to say this about this person because that person was meaningful. I then second guess myself and I then go like, oh well, I don't want it to come across like this asshole, or I don't want it to you know to seem like that. Yeah, just across the board, I, I agree. We you know we've kind of reached I don't want to say a tipping point, but we've reached a point you know with social media where to be honest with you, when things of this nature take place, I'm I'm more leaning towards just like skipping it and staying off of social media for a day or two specifically to avoid that yeah and that's where i'm at too like there's i wanted to say a couple more things i'm like i don't want to be that guy who mm. tries to make this about them flooding the timeline so uh, oh yeah as a matter of fact you know what i am going to you know, point one out in particular look i don't know what the hell happened to this chris palmer guy um yeah. <laughs> every single inch every single instance where there can be a bad or a shitty take it's almost like he jumps to the front of the line like yo yo i got this but Putting out, you know, putting out a message like, oh, they, you know, <laughs> I went to the same school as this person and we lived, I guess, you know, you know uh, a couple of miles away from one another. And then all the way to the end of the message just to say, yeah, we never met. But yeah, <laughs> this ain't, you know, people's death is, are not is not a situation to make it about yourself or about your experiences with that person or rush to say like, oh, I took a picture with that person. If that's what it's about for you, I, I guess, you know what? It's not our place to lecture you. I guess it's more of my place to just completely eliminate you, eliminate you from my timeline because like, it, yeah, it, it's just, it, it is just, it's pretty, it's pretty shitty. Chris Palmer sucks too. Just like, you know, yeah. some guys out there just suck. He sucks. Like I've yes. seen enough of his tweets over the last five years where he's like, He's wrong about everything, not wrong, ha, ha, ha. We're just talking about basketball, like, ethically, politically, morally wrong and awful. Across the board. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> you know, for real, for real. Him, O-Ringer, Tommy D, Snotty, whoever else, fuck you. Fuck all those guys who suck and are mean and terrible people. Um, you, it is what it is. Um, let's, we're going to talk some actual basketball here in a moment, but before we do that, a word from our good friends. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off your, off, your, and, off your order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite team and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Jabari, I got my first fantasy draft tonight, man. Uh-oh. I've done like five minutes of research. I've never, ever cared less about the NFL or fantasy football, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, you know me. I, I, I've got the, you know, I've, I am the Madden curse of fantasy sports, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know what the hell happened back in the day. You know, I, I won some leagues, had a great time with it. But the last probably six teams, whether it was, you know, whether they were NBA or NFL uh, that I drafted, your player, you know, like you, 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 let's just hope that I don't draft one of your favorite players because it's not just a guarantee they, you know, they're gonna have a terrible season. It's a guarantee they would be out for the season. So, yeah, yeah folks don't want me doing fantasy, man. Yeah, I'm. I've never winged it, and it's funny. I was joking in the timeline, like this is the first year ever. I'm just the guy in the league who's like paying the fees to pay someone else. They can just like stay in the group chat and have beers when we go out. But like going out for beers is, is few and far between in the COVID era, so I'm just paying money to stay in the group chat basically at this point. Um, it's all right though. It's all right. Your friends appreciate you. I'm sure your friends appreciate your donation. Yeah, and uh, you know, all the years that I was favored, I never won. So maybe this year when I just wing it, this is the year. Who knows? Go figure. Um, okay, so NBA basketball. Uh, as we are talking right now, Toronto and Boston have started this thing up. 
Um, we we are on different sides of the fence here. I, I have Boston in seven. I'm I'm a big believer in that. Even though these are top five offense, top five defense, both of these teams, that it's going to come down to the two um, most complete, able to get your shot when you want it guys in this series, which I think are both on Boston, Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum. Um, I know that you're kind of on the other side. So like, what's your argument for Toronto? Well, I mean, you know, this this truly is a Styles makes fights matchup. You know, if I've ever seen one, uh, you know, I, as you mentioned, and as as you've you know uh, mentioned on several shows, the Celtics have multiple guys that can score, create offense. You know, and, and, and whether it's generating for themselves or for others, uh, and obviously the Raptors come with a defensive front that, to be honest with you, I think can match up. Against, you know, with it matches up perfectly against scores uh, of the Celtics kind, but. All of that to say, while we've been on, you know, we've been on the opposite side of things before, and I do still think this is a Nick, this could be a Nick Nurse versus, you know, Brad Stevens and, and the adjustments made throughout type situation, uh, you know, being the difference in it. I'm actually leaning more towards the Celtics in this matchup, and it's not obviously just because of the start, you know, you know the start of the game. Um, for me, for the Raptors to really stand a chance in this one. I'm at, you know, like, we kind of, you know, you, you know how I look at these things in any series. You kind of know what you're going to get from the principal guys. But if the Raptors can get some throwback performances from guys like Gasol and Ibaka, you know, against, you know, Tyson and Cantor and the Celtics bigs, enough throughout the course of a series, consistently, you know, you know, throughout the course of a series, I think that can be a significant difference. Because I think, aside from that, they're somewhat pretty, uh, you know, similarly matched up. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, I I don't know, man. I, I I felt like you were more you were more Toronto positive before mm-hmm. before this week because uh, I definitely felt like going in it was going to be me Celtics and you you Raptors. But like even even to start this game, Tatum hasn't done anything since we've been talking. And I think I was looking back at the boss scores. Boston was three and one versus Toronto this year. Jalen Brown actually seemed to get a lot of whatever he wanted in those four games. I I think with the way that Milwaukee has looked. It adds some fuel that both Boston and Toronto probably legitimately feel they could go to the finals. Not to say that Milwaukee's still not the favorite they are, but I think I think all four remaining Eastern Conference teams legitimately are like, hey, we could we could go to the finals, we could win this year. Yeah, I think I think all four are legitimately live. Whereas you know, say three weeks ago, you know, I, I spent you know most of the time trying to convince folks that were worried about the Bucks, like, hey, come on, like, yes, while there are challengers out there, the Bucks are still you know the Bucks realistically are going to you know. Uh, represent the Eastern Conference. I no longer feel as confidently about that. No, me either. And I mean, I, well, last night on, I guess, Boston-Toronto, and, and the good news is that Lowry's going and yes. he was available today because him being out would have really put a damper on this. Um, and, and I mean, one of the, the secret positives of the extra three days of rest was <laughs> Westbrook and Lowry. I mean, I, I look at both those guys actually getting in and getting with their teams. Wasn't enough time. We needed apparently 30 days to, to maybe get Kristaps back in there, but... Uh, you know what? Yeah, the extra rest was good. Yeah, it's funny because I actually I, I started to laugh when you when you made the reference because I had a note about that. Like you know, if anything, outside of the stuff that took place off the court, uh, there is a positive spin in terms of guys getting back in. You know, guys getting back into the mix or just getting simply healthier. Yeah, let's talk about Milwaukee, Miami, because I, I I'm very much on the same wave as you. Where like I did I do not feel very good about this Milwaukee team opposed to how I felt coming in. Like, I, I felt like coming in, I, I was kind of already on that Boston. I feel got this sneaky feeling Boston's going to the final, but Milwaukee still felt like the hands-on favorite. And the series against the Magic was very uninspiring. Chris Middleton did get going in the last two games. But I, I, I think that, you know, Miami, a lot of people are feeling like Miami's got a shot. And I saw, I didn't do a poll myself, but I saw a bunch of people polling it yesterday. And Miami's polling around like 50, 55% of people think they're going to win on Twitter. And, you know, when it comes to polls, sometimes, especially when there's a wave, when there's a certain, you know, energy that, you know, that, that's forming, you have to, you know, kind of factor that in uh, the, the, with the Bucks not looking great. And a lot of us looking at Miami, you know, when they started making the moves, you know, th- throughout the regular season uh, to kind of like, you know, uh, solidify, the, you know, solidify that roster. A lot of us were looking at them as a potential, you know, potential threat form. So I, I do think that, you know, the, 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 the vibe of that will factor into those polls. But again, you know, this is a series that, you know, when you look at it, it, could, it should serve as a, a, a building block along the way, you know, during a run, uh, you know, because, you know, Miami does pose some legit threats. But given the fact that, you know, given the fact that, you know, the Bucks didn't look great against Orlando and yes, you know, uh, yes, Chris was able to get it going. But, you know, there's all for me, there's always going to be questions. Which Eric Bledsoe are you going to get today? 
Which Brooke Lopez are you going to get today? Which Chris, whether it's fair or not, which I do think it's fair, which Chris are you going to get? Because of that, this is a lot closer than, you know, this is a lot closer than, you know, than than it would have been. And like the, you know, like the other series, I think an X factor could be that matchup at the coaching spot, because as much respect as I have for Coach Bud and what he's been able to do there you know, with that staff there in Milwaukee, I think Miami holds the advantage there you know, in terms of you know, in-game adjustments as well as game-to-game adjustments with Eric Spolster and his staff. Yeah, I think I think Eric Spolster is definitely the better coach. Like, there's there's very few coaches where I would say confidently at this point that there's going to be a uh, a matchup difference. But I think I think Spo is definitely a better in-game coach. And uh, it, it's interesting that Miami was two and one against Milwaukee in the regular season. And the the game they lost, neither Jimmy Butler or Goran Dragic played. Mm-hmm. And you know, you look at these regular season men, people don't really like to take these and look at the playoffs, and, and it's very understandable, especially when teams are doing a lot of different things. But sometimes there, there's something to that, and I always go back to the 07 Mavs, lost all four times they played the Warriors. It was the only team they wanted zero smoke with, and they got them in the first round, and they punched mm-hmm. them. And and I think this Miami team, honestly, I'm very tempted to pick them. And I was I was not high on this Miami team coming in. I kind of thought maybe they almost overachieved. But this Dragic has been playing great. The new lineup has worked out awesome. I think Jimmy, you know, for all the crap he takes and, you know, deserved or not, it was really, really good at times for Philly last year, and they just barely lost that Raptors team. Um, Bam is a really good option to have on Giannis. I, Duncan Robinson's rapidly becoming one of my favorite guys in the league, just an automatic shooter. I think that this, this Miami team's really in it. You, you get. I, I feel like at the end of this, we're, we're going to be in agreement with 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 both uh, both of these series, and that is a bit of a surprise. So, what was your official pick for Boston, Toronto? Man, I got Celtics six. Okay, so I have Celtics seven. You have Celtics six. I'm gonna go. You know what? Like the numbers still tell me to to say Milwaukee, but my gut is saying Miami seven. So I'm gonna say Miami seven. All right, I'm gonna go buck seven, so we can have some fun with this. But I would obviously, if if, if any anytime you're predicting a seven game series, that means it could go either way. I wouldn't be stunned. I really would not be stunned if Jimmy Butler is the player that honestly Jimmy Butler believes. And I say that without meaning any disrespect. So be clear, an NBA player, any anybody at the top of their craft has to believe that they are the top, right? Like I expect the guy. I expect the guy. Jimmy Butler believes he's the best player on the floor every time he walks on. Every, every time he steps on the floor. If he plays like that, man, <laughs> the, if look, if Jimmy Butler's the best player in this series, I think the Miami. And even though I'm picking the Bucks in seven, I think Miami wins in five or six because I, was, I think it's I think it's that type of series. I was gonna make a rip Nate McMillan joke, but given like everything this week, it's you know we'll, we'll save the jokes. But man, Indiana kind of hosed Nate McMillan, and um, yeah, I, I got. I just what what could he have done, man? Like Depot exactly. has this breakout season and then he's hurt. Sabonis didn't play. I mean, I know he's had zero playoff success. He took a LeBron James team seven. What could he have done, man? Well, not just that. What could he have done to mess things up in the three weeks between when he got extended, when it was announced that they were extending him, to then being fired in a matchup where they were notably shorthanded and up against a better team. I, I think honestly, it's kind of already been hinted that they really want D'Antoni, or they may like you know people are, are alluding to the fact that maybe they've already had a conversation with D'Antoni, which again the Rockets situation remains so weird that you know this is all going on in D'Antoni's everybody's coaching rumor already, and like they're a team that thinks they can win the title this year anyway, but I, I think they did Nate pretty badly, and Nate said I read an article, oh, shoot I want to say athletic but. With, with him giving some thoughts, you know, post being let go here, and he was saying that, you know, if next year they didn't do anything, he wouldn't have even made them make the decision. He would have walked away, but he wanted to have his team healthy, which I think is a very fair and um, understandable thing as a coach when you've kind of helped develop these guys over a few years and they haven't really got to all be together. Um yeah, tough, tough situation for me. Look, if they get bombed out and you have some, you know, you, you, you had DeMontis there, you know, the older depot had been there in the fold the whole time. Brogdon was at full strength. Then I would understand maybe, hey, okay, look, yeah, we, we just we just don't like, you know, we're just not in love with the guy the same as we were, you know, less than a month ago. But given these circumstances, yeah, I get it if, you know, if Mike D'Antoni is, who is, is the guy that you covet. Uh, but given these circumstances, yeah, I, I do feel as though they, they, they did hose Nate. Yeah, I, I did not feel good about that for him. Um, and I was looking at some of the stats too, and like not that not that this has anything to do with it, 
But Doc Rivers is the only tenured coach um, of over four years who's black left in the NBA. Which, I mean, I, yeah, I'm, not, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to make any grand assumption or statement. I'm just saying that's obviously not a good look for the league. Yeah, it's not a good look for the league. And, it, it, and yes, you can look at it and say, like, maybe it's an anomaly or maybe, you know, whatever the case may be. But in a league that's 80% black and in a league that's had, you know, that has, has that many, you know, pot- you know, potential black you know, candidates or, you know, candidates other than just, you know, uh, you know, white males, it definitely, you know, stands out. And I think that there's something to this in general. I don't think black, white, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, the NBA recycles coaches way too much. Yes. Like, if, if you've had three shots and you haven't done anything, why aren't you looking at, like, you, you look at Nick Nurse, you know, coaching overseas, coaching in the G League, and having success at those levels. Start looking for people who are, you know, revolutionizing what they're doing, where they're doing it, rather than, you know, whoever's busted out. But it just seems like, it does It does somewhat seem like if you coach in the NBA and you're white, you get at least three or four chances. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, that, that's, you know, Pretty much life. So, yeah, I'd like to see the NBA continue to progress in that in that avenue. Um, your Lakers finished the Blazers last night, although, I mean, it, it was like LeBron and Davis had great games, but it was probably closer than it should have been for a while. Yeah. Dame obviously didn't play. Um, how do you feel about the Lakers heading into the next round against most likely Houston? I don't feel as negatively about them or, you know, like as down on them as, as others, you know. I had that one game where after game one or during and after game one, I was riding that roller coaster majorly, obviously. Well, we we went back and forth. I got mad at y'all you know, you know, simply for, you know, for ribbing me in ways that I normally it wouldn't bother me. All of that to say, after that, I, I, I saw what I saw. I looked at the Lakers and said, hey, when Anthony Davis and LeBron James play well and the other guys just lock in defensively, the rest of it generally will take care of itself. I look at, you know, so, you know, yes, was that, you know, was game five a little bit more difficult than it should have? Of course, because they slept walk through that first half. And anytime you give up 68 points to a team that's, you know, the team that's missing its number one, you know, number one guy and a guy, you know, the magnitude of, of Dame, obviously, you know, you've done some things wrong. They tied it enough. They, they, they tied it together enough in the second half to where I said, okay, well, just, you know, just stay healthy. Go in, you know, whether it ends up being OKC or Houston, which it's probably, or at least it looks as though it's going to be Houston now, I still feel confidently about them. Yeah, um, I'm really excited for this Houston series, and I want to see, I mean, Davis was a minus in both losses against Houston during the season. Um, I made that, like, half-hearted joke taking a shot at Lakers fans about, like, if when Davis gets played off the floor, I can't wait to have this great conversation with Lakers fans. Of course, that got spun around as me, like, coming for Davis. That was coming for Lakers fans in that one, but fair enough. This is the series I I want to see. This is the, I mean, this is if you can play against the Houston small ball lineup as a big man at both ends, that that's some because you look at OKC trying to feed Adams and try to keep Adams involved, and it's just it's brutal. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he can't get out in space. Every time they try to keep him involved in offense, it's a turnover. Um, you you can't play a blundering big against the Rockets. So. I'm very excited to see it. I think Anthony Davis, you know, per, per our discussion, really was disappointing in a lot of the bubble games, really disappointing in game one, bounced back really hard in the series, was excellent. Him and LeBron were 1A, 1B, and they were they were really damn good in some of these games. Um, I looked back to it. This could be Carmelo's last playoff game. I'm not going to say it is. We don't know. He's earned the benefit of the doubt that maybe he'll be back in Portland next year. Um his first ever playoff game, Kevin Garnett and Sam Gassell have 70 combined points. The Nuggets lose. They lost that series in five. Um, his last, potentially last ever playoff game against the Lakers, LeBron and Davis have 79. They lose that series in five. So, uh, I, I, but, but let's be real. You, you, like, yeah, while, yes, we're being careful in saying it could potentially be his last, you know, well, his last playoff game, it, does, it definitely feels like that's a good fit there in Portland for at least one more run at it, doesn't it? I don't, I'm I not mean, saying in a starting role or even in necessarily leaning as heavily on them as they had to or at least they did, you know, for stretches of this year. But Melo showed that he can still, you know, he can still be effective. I, you know, like if, I'm, if I'm Portland, I'm looking at at least bringing him back in you know, as a, in a reserve role. When I looked at it before game five, he was seven. I think he was 80 of 80, 80 players to play 25 minutes in, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He was dead last in net rating. 
Like he just gets killed defensively. He just just gets absolutely killed. Yeah, which, um, yeah. Which is why you don't want him to be. You know, like you, he can't be your lead. You need you need a more athletic, a younger, you know, younger body and 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 a, and a more you know capable body on a consistent basis. But I don't know. You know, for me, I, I would still like to see him in there. Here, here's the thing with Portland. Damian Lillard loves Carmelo. He's been mm-hmm. very vocal about it. He reveres him. He respects him. Melo gets treated like he's still a star in Portland. I think that very much works for Melo. Melo yeah. also got the start. Melo went on Stephen A. Smith's show, you know, before the season, saying that he would accept any role, but he should still be in the league. Mm-hmm. We haven't really seen that yet. So if if Portland wants to be competitive, I don't think Melo can be starting for you and being as involved um, as he was this year. But if if Melo, if that's true, and I'm not going to comment one way, if that's true and Melo what it said is true, he can absolutely be a seventh, eighth man on the bench, come and bring you some shooting at the four for multiple years still. But that's up to him, and maybe maybe to him. I, I mean, it, it's, it's not my career. If, if he doesn't want to do that, that's cool too. Yeah. But it was nice. This season was was on a whole very positive for him. And I'm glad he didn't go out the way that he. It looked like he might have before this year. For the first time ever in in saying or tweeting this, I actually mean it. Stay mellow. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, uh, okay, so Houston OKC. My God, that game yesterday was awful. Did how much of it did you see? I watched about 15 minutes of it off and on and said, okay, yeah, we're good here. Because, like, you know, quite frankly, once, you know, once Dennis Schroeder decided, yeah, I want to I want to be a, a baby nutcracker just like, you know, just like my idol and, and, uh, and teammate, it, the game was done. Like, Houston was already probably going to make that run, but once you took away what had been their, you know, their uh, uh, OKC's best offensive threat, you know, the, uh, uh, going at least in that game, there, there was really no need to take, you know, have that conversation, and I really don't understand why the, you know, why he went that direction to begin with. I, I, man, I mean, every series I'm leaning one way or another. That's just the, that's the straight truth of it. Like, like most people, whether they admit it or not, are rooting for one team or another. Yeah. I was rooting for Chris Paul in the Thunder year. Um, that is one of the more frustrating games I have ever, ever watched. It was. Fucking awful, man. Like, Shea, who has been very good in this series for the most part, two of eight, four points, four turnovers, four fouls, just looked lost, had no impact on this game whatsoever. Danilo Gallinari, 0 of 5, minus 27, four turnovers. Like, Chris Paul wasn't good, but he was the only guy in the starting lineup who did anything. Dort. He was like, oh, of nine to start the game. Stop fucking shooting. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Like, Charles Barkley had it. He had it. Like, there's a reason you're open. James Harden rested. Like, we talked about how tired he looked at the end of game four, mm-hmm. how he's just shooting from 35 feet and bricking shots, and he had nothing left in the tank. He had plenty left because he didn't even guard Dort. He took one step towards him to. from the key to the, the three, and he was like, go ahead, bud. Launch him. Oh, of nine from three in the game. Three of 16. More shots than, than Gallo and Che combined. Yeah, they played their worst game in the series in a, in, a, in a game where it felt like, hey, this might be a series they can they can steal. They played they played the worst game of any team in the playoffs this year. Yeah. I want to say ever. I'm not going to be overly hyperbolic. I'm not going to do the sports thing. <laughs> yeah, we can't. But the, we can't go. But, over, but yeah. <laughs> but it, it it felt that bad, and I just you know what? Like I look at Billy Donovan. I'm like, what what are you doing to adjust in this series? Because. I know they got Westbrook back, and that changed things, and D'Antoni was ready to make some changes after the last game anyway. But what on earth were the Thunder doing? And I look at Chris Paul, too, and I know he's older, and I know it's never been his game, but if Shea and Gallo are going to be that broke and Lou Dort's the only one who wants to shoot, take the ball and just shoot 25 times CP3. Like, there's just no reason, like... You know I know that, you don't you know have the physicality for it. You can't get to the same spots. But just go to your mid-range, do your little turnaround, step back, whatever, shoot 25 times in that scenario. But that's exactly what you, you, you just nailed it. Does he still have that? And I'm not, I'm not I'm not clowning. I'm being for real. Does he still have that? Like, yeah, we see we can see we can see him do that on an individual basis here and there throughout the course of the game. But does he still have it in him to consistently you know, you know, you know, uh, take on that amount of pressure like from a physical standpoint? I don't know. I don't know if he did, but like, and this is the this is the argument is like it doesn't matter if if you think you're up to it. Like that was the only chance that team yeah. had yesterday of getting through. And I I turned it off just before the fourth quarter because it was the fifth time that somebody tried to make an entry pass to Stephen Adams for a post up <laughs> attempt, and I was and that got turned over, and I was like I'm done. 
What the fuck are you doing? Like, stop it. Stop trying to feed Steven Adams, man. Like, it, it, it was absolutely putrid to watch. And going into this game, um, the Houston Rockets had led for like 137 minutes through the four, first four games, and yet it was 2-2. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it does speak to the fact that Houston has looked like a bet, the better team the majority of the series. But, my God, OKC just laid down and died. Yeah, you know, this feels like a series that Houston goes ahead and, and wraps up. I'd love, I'd love to be wrong. I'd, I'd love for OKC, and not just so that we, our prediction can be right. Simply because I, you know, I want them to extend the series as long as possible. You know, for personal reasons. Um, <laughs> I, 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 this feels like a, you know, it feels like it's done. Yeah, I, I just, I don't even unless OKC vastly turns things around. I don't, I don't even want a seventh game. I, w- I would hate for them to just eke one out to lay this kind of an egg in Game 7. It, it was putrid. It was a putrid, putrid game. You know, credit the Rockets. Um, and it's not just been Harden. Like, Harden was very good in this game. But, like, the contributions that they've got from, like, Jeff Green, Eric Gordon, Robert Covington felt like he was automatic in that game were have been really good. Um, yeah, didn't Robert Covington set his career high in, in May 3s with five or six? Yeah, at six. I don't know. I didn't see if it was his career high, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was. he was really good. I, I think this Rockets-Lakers series, too, even as someone who wanted the Thunder to win initially and, and loves Chris Paul, I would kind of hate to see the Thunder play the Lakers because the Thunder got nothing. Yeah, that, that would not be a fun series to watch. Like, no, you, the Lakers you, you, would, would We would go would. in talking about, oh, CP3 and LeBron, and then, to be honest with you, the Lakers would dust OKC. Oh, yeah. And I, I think Houston, what they bring is like, Potentially very challenging for for the Lakers, and I think it's a much better series. So I hope we get that. It, um, is, it is a much better series. Yeah. Last two. Uh, let's do Dallas and the Clippers. Porzingis is poor meniscus is not looking good. Marcus yeah. Morris is does as of yet has not been suspended for stomping on Luca's injured ankle. Did you think that was fair or foul? Uh, look, uh, you know how a lot of people will will try to you know, play it safe when it comes to these things and say like, well, we don't know his intention, motherfucker. We have all played. Anybody that has played sports before, you first of all, you know, you know what that stride looked like, and you know, you, you know what that stride is supposed to look like. Secondly, a professional athlete, a guy with you know with as much control over his body as Marcus Morris, you know, or as any of these guys, is not going to make that play. I, I look, I don't know what his intention was, but he absolutely tried to step on that dude's foot. I don't care. Like I'm, I'm yeah. not gonna, I'm not gonna BS about that. Yeah. Again, obviously, I'm a Dallas fan and had my compromises there, but like that felt. That felt intentional. And um, the way he came at him, the Clippers says, oh, he's been covering him 94 feet all game. No, he had been. He had not been all game picking him up 94 feet. And he changes direction at the last second. And, like, he's got a history of being that kind of instigator guy, too. Like, Josh, I, I, it Josh, was bad. Do you know what it sounded you know, you know, when, when I saw Clippers fans and just other fans that simply don't, like, you know, don't necessarily, you know, love all of the appreciation that Luke is getting – you know, going against, you know what it sounded like? It was like when my fellow Lakers fans, a few, well, a decade ago now, when Harden was still on, you know, still with OKC, when um, Metal World Peace elbowed the hell out of that man. And they, and oh, folks were, and folks were trying to say dumb shit like, oh man, no, he was just celebrating. And, you know, that he was just throwing his elbow like, yeah, stop it. Stop it. You and I, we all saw it. You know what it was. Maybe it's just a matter of like a, a lapse in judgment. Maybe it's you know that's not who you are and all of those things. But you know you did what you did. Yeah, and you know what? And Malik, I think it's Malik Rose is on record talking about how like Mikhail and him were at tip one time back in the day, and Mikhail just come back from an ankle injury, and and uh, he says to Kevin at tip off, he says, "Which ankle is it?" And Kevin goes, "Oh, this one." And the next play, stomped on. And you know Jalen Jalen Rose has talked about how he purposely got under Kobe. Yeah, like, man. It, it, it I've happens, seen Dante man. Jones do this a lot of times. Yeah. I've seen Chris. Paul. Look, Bruce Bowen made a career out of it. I I don't care. I don't I don't care. Like I'm I'm not questioning these folks' manhood or anything like that. But y'all know when you do this stuff. So stop playing. Stop playing like you didn't. Yeah, and you know before we go on, Zaza 100% took yes. Kawhi out of that game on purpose. 100. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Um, so. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. I, I I think the Clippers are gonna finish this up in six. I don't think Luca's at a hundred. I think the Mavs' spirit is somewhat lessened. 
Um, it was a good series. It it had potential to be a great series. Luca's been phenomenal. I got no nothing disappointed with it, but I think the Clippers do wrap it in six here. Yeah, today. I'd I'd like to lie and I'd like to you know present like oh no I really do th- you know still think your boys have a chance and you know while I, I I did my best to you know to make that case heading into the series I can't anymore you know given the fact that Luca's not at 100 percent given the fact that you don't have Porzingis and he you know the, he, like heading into the series his dominance or his level you know his level of aggression was you know was an X factor for me I, I I don't see it happening I you know. The, the Clippers put it on y'all last game. I kind of expect it to be like that again. A little bit closer, but kind of like that again. But then again, like Porzingis ejection and a Luka ankle injury, man. The series mm-hmm. could easily be 3-2. The series could easily be, I don't know, man. This would be a seven-game series without those things. But yeah. that's um, kind of how it goes. But anyway, you know what? It was a good first run for Luka and this Mavs team figuring some things out. Um, and uh, Denver and uh, Utah. So, Denver's back in the series. Gary Harris is going to play, Uh-oh. and they've they've sorely missed having an e guard who could you know kind of contend with Donovan Mitchell defensively. No offense to Tory Craig, who's you know bit off more than he can chew here, probably more than he asked for. Uh, yeah. But how how confident do you feel about Gary Harris going from not playing since March to get in there, bud? Yeah, see that right there is the reason why it's like, yeah, good luck with that, man. Like maybe you know, maybe they were just playing it safe, and he actually you know, he's ready to go. I don't necessarily know that you know, like it's realistic to expect him to not just go up against Donovan Mitchell, but Donovan Mitchell rolling his ass off right now. Like, like it, 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 he he's jumping into a ra- you know, he's jumping into a race at full speed. Good luck with that, man. Like, and I, I still think it's gonna be Utah, but. You know who knows? Denver, Denver confuses me on a yearly basis. I was laughing because like before this, after game one, people were taking shots at Jamal Murray, and I was like, I think it was on this podcast, I guess two weeks ago, we were talking about it, and I was like, give the guy a break. And then it was in between his big games, uh, B-ball breakdown was like he self retweeted himself, being like <laughs> Jamal's good, and I was laughing at that. I'm like, oh, the one game adapts. Like you really, you've really been with him a long time. Um, Jamal's doing something good, and I mean the Nuggets have played better. Do you think they got a chance in this series? I, I mean, of, of course they have a chance. Like, I, look, I went, I went into the series. I think we both picked the Nuggets. I thought the, I thought it would be hard, but you know, hard fought because all three of the, all three of the matchups. Even though I think the Nuggets swept them, you know, were very close. Uh, but I thought that they would have enough. Um, I, I do think that if if they can't win another game and they can't at least force it seven. I, I do think it, it, it may be something that you have to consider kind of like the future of things there and I don't want to you know, I don't I don't want to be you know like, you know, like uh, too reactionary but whether it's the future of you know the d- direction on the bench or the future in the direction in terms of like you know the the the, the players that you were leaning upon I do think you have to have that con- yeah that conversation if you're Denver this this offseason if the, you know if they're not able to at least extend this yeah I I, I think similar in that I don't know. I guess we talked about this with New Orleans. We talked about this with Indiana. I I like a lot of your players. I don't know if this fit works forever. Mm-hmm. Um, had a conversation with Adam Maris, who's a big Denver guy, oh, and yeah. he was kind of saying like maybe like Jamal Murray's the piece that gets moved. I don't know. I I would really be sensationalized here for saying it, but like, what about Jokic? Like, you you get the biggest return for him. I've made it pretty clear I'm, like, iffy on paying bigs that kind of money. Um, I know he's been special, but, like, Michael Porter Jr., Jokic Murray, from a defensive standpoint, is not going not gonna to fly. And so, I, I don't know. they got some decisions to make if they don't pull this out. If they force Game 7, that would be really exciting because 3-1 lead getting lost is always gets mm-hmm. the timeline, timeline really hype. And uh, Jamal going for another big one today would have Canada really hype, so... Hey, you know what? Shout out to Canada Dry. I'm I'm pulling for him. I would like I would like to see that from him. I'm always gonna call him that because I know how stupid it is. <laughs> but I also know that it that it's annoying. Um, no, uh, I'll we can save this conversation for after this after this series or after you know like the season. But I if I'm Denver, I would seriously consider building around Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal and moving Jokic at you know at the at the peak of his uh you know of what his value is in the league. Yeah, him and Harden. I don't think mm-hmm. about um, this summer we, let, yeah, we let, have to have let that marinate for a few weeks and we'll come back to it after the playoffs. Yeah. Um, before we uh, we we head out of here, let's. What have you been binging? Man, honestly, 
you know, you have you do you ever have those points where you start something and you did like you just can't get into it, but you find yourself in a running loop of that. That's no. basically that's what well, that's what it's been for me. I I I, I reverted back to you know, I threw Lucifer on in the background just because it's simple and mindless and it doesn't you know like it doesn't matter really what happens, but it's you know it's you know it's comical enough to where you go, heh, you know what I mean. Um, I, I haven't really been able to get into much, you know, I, I need to circle back and finish uh, Black Earth Rising, uh, you know, like I need to circle back and finish a couple others, but there, there really hasn't been all that much new. Yeah, fair enough. Oh, um, wait, time out. What the hell am I talking about? Yesterday morning, and maybe it's because it started at like 545 in the morning, I started running through Cobra Kai. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. Look, man. I, I, look, it's fun, man. It's a lot of fun for anybody around. Well, for, it's fun for anybody because they, you know, they make it topical and relevant, you know, to you know to today. But the nostalgia factor is is absolutely perfect for anybody that you know that they grew up in the '80s. Me personally, the reason why you know it it, it hits so hard is Karate Kid was filmed two miles away from where I grew up. Uh, the apartment, you know, the complex that Mr. Biagi and Danny LaRusso lived in is a real apartment that still exists and still stands to this day. Uh, I was I was a kid in a karate academy in the valley, you know, all throughout the you know the late '80s and early '90s. So yes, I one million percent identified with that movie and this show. It puts you back in that moment. It really does. It's I mean, look, it's not going to win any Emmys or anything anything like that. But if if you're up for like just some fun. 80s ish type, you know, you know, type fun uh, that will take you back. Uh, Cobra Kai is a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I, I might give it a go. I saw it hanging in on Netflix there, and I was like, yeah, maybe. Um, I, I've been rewatching Sons with the lady, Ooh, and okay. uh, Sons of Anarchy really is like such a great show and series. But man, it is so poorly written. It is just <laughs> they didn't care about any type of plot holes, any type of like they just go with it, just shoot them. Doesn't matter. <laughs> It feels like it's been a while, but, like, the same things I was mad about are still... Like, I just remember, like, how could you ever just carry on with Clay um, uh-huh. after after everything that happens with Donna and Opie's wife? Um, and then that's exactly... Like, this whole... So, Opie finds out. He storms out of the clubhouse. And then the next 30 minutes later, he's good. And he just puts it aside for an entire season. Like, while they're going to Ireland. He just, like cool they just coexist Jackson Clay are hugging I love you son I love you dad mm-hmm. and then they go back to it again in the fourth season and just like man this was so stupid like how, how could this ever have it just makes no sense and then like the whole Ireland like why the two sides of the IRA are feuding over Jackson's son like oh he's leveraged because he knew that if we had your son then you would come here and you would want to kill him I'm mm. like what really? that's how that played out that's yeah, how, that's how you laid that out. <laughs> I, I was just like, man, this is a stupid. Like, I, I I still enjoy the show, but like the motivations in it are the character decisions and the writing. Like, it, it is really bad. I would love to see them try. Did you ever watch Mayans? Have you tried Mayans? I, you know, okay, so Mayans is actually pretty good. Like, have you watched it yet? Before I get no, I watched like a ten minute clip on YouTube because I saw Chibs made an appearance. Uh huh. But I would be I would be willing to give give Mayans a chance. So I think. the the one thing about Mayans the uh, the opening you know intro song, it's like okay guys 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 you guys could have done better than this. And when you when you watch it you'll know I don't even have to get into it. Um, yeah. But beyond that, it it gives you enough of the vibe and it and it builds an, enough of a foundation. Obviously with the Mayan you know, you know with the Mayans uh, backstory uh, to where it's fun. It's a lot of fun, and season two is better than season one. So, yeah. Okay, yeah, I might, I might, I might give it a go. I might work around there. Um, the other thing I've been doing is like I've been having this really big anime thing the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, got through Naruto, got through uh, Last Airbender. I've got a bunch of things, suggestions for people, but I kept hearing about like Hayao Miyazaki, and I don't know if I'm saying that right. Apologies if I'm way off, mm-hmm. but he's done a bunch of these movies um, that have gotten like a lot of praise and like. Have always sort of been on the peripheral of my, I don't know, life. I don't have anyone, I guess, in close contact who's like a super big uh, anime film buff. But, you know, as I like the online discourse going on, they've been suggested a bunch of times. So I got around to Princess Mononoke and Spirited Away. Have you seen either of these? I have not. I, I, I enjoyed both. I really liked the, the, the style. I'm going to have to work my way through a few more of his movies. Princess Mononoke, the themes are a lot easier for me to pick up on. And it's like environmentalism and like the world changing and waste and, 
it's like this action adventure theme and I'm not really bothered by any reading subtitles so if that's a thing for you you don't want to watch that I think there is an English dub but mm. um, Spirited Away not as much Little Girl this is, this is the one that everyone was suggesting she goes to like an abandoned theme park where like spirits go and her parents turn into pigs and she kind of has to figure out a way to rescue them but there's like too many things going on at once in there and maybe I just didn't get it so if you're a Spirited Away fan tell me what I'm missing because I think I like Pr- Princess Mononoke more Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, you you know I I ne- I I missed the anime boat. Like, and it yeah. was funny is like when I was in school, there, there were kids that were into it, but they weren't in my fan group, and I just never I never embraced it, so I never got into it. But so many people, you'll tell me about the storytelling in it that I, I feel I, I it's very obvious I've been missing out. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I watched My Neighbor Totoro when I was really little, but I, I it's been a long time. But yeah, the storytelling is something, and like there's the. I don't know. I don't want to looking for a better word than art, but there's like a real artistic quality to like slow, easy go animation, and as it unfolds, like a much bigger narrative. And I think that in both of those movies, it's pretty apparent. Um, I think that's gonna wrap us up, though. We'll be back Thursday morning. Um, Jabari and I are actually gonna we're gonna take a bit of a pivot. We're gonna do Sundays. We're gonna do general NBA movies, um, polls, whatever we normally do. Wednesdays we're gonna do a guest. So, Jabari, did you have somebody picked for Wednesday yet? Uh, I've got a couple people lined up. I'll I'll, uh, I'll, I'll solidify it today. But it's okay, some, so some, yeah, fun, some fun names though for sure. He'll tease you on the timeline later today. Him and the guest will be Wednesday. Then we'll be back uh, Monday morning. Us again next Sunday, and then next Wednesday I'll be bringing somebody in. So keep an eye, and that's gonna be the role. So if you haven't liked, rated, reviewed, subscribed, please do, and take care. somebody say playoffs nba and nhl are playing for gold and our partners at bet online have you covered get in on all the action including a new nba bracket contest with plenty of chances to win mlb season is pushing into fall and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds futures and props so take advantage of the return of sports and remember the casino never closes check it out all day all night Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.